I think about your music, it has this this quality about it. It seems to it has this like a, a feeling of nostalgia about it, even though it's like the first time you've heard like the new record. And I feel like oh yeah, yeah, like okay, so, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, you know what I mean. So so I feel like you ref- in your in your lyrics, like you're kind of reflecting on the past a lot, but you're also like hell bent on the future, right? You're always in the present and the future. You're always moving forward. So I was just wondering about sort of how you work with kind of past, present, future. You know, having done this so long and been down so many roads. Uh, how, how do you kind of work with that? I, um, well, I have a lot of experience from traveling around the world, you know, whereas, you know, a lot of the rappers, they don't really get a chance to go around the world like me. So I use a lot of my time with me in the, in the world traveling. So I put it in my music, all my experiences in different cities that I live in. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, all the experiences of me going places, traveling, it's like, um, um, the, the experiences of me traveling and staying in different cities and going all over on different flights and planes and television shows from the past and school time when I was smaller, I coincide into my lyrics and in the future, you know, a lot of stuff that goes on in the present time. I have a little bit of mixture of everything so I can... You know, I might rap about a basketball player a long time ago that's probably not even in the NBA no more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or I can rap, I might rap about uh, a basketball player that's playing right now. You know, so I have a. I'm still, um, I'm still observing with the past, the past time and the future. Yeah. So I, I let people feel the people that wasn't in the future. The people in the future understand what was going on that they missed as a kid and I tell people and uh, I let people stuck in time know what's going on in the future because you know it's the same with music you know you got a lot of people that came out in the 80s they don't know the latest rapper out mm. in 2018 mm-hmm. but I, I would know you know you know and then the person from 2018 don't know the rapper from you know they wouldn't know a rapper from you know, 1975, 1976 on, you know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah. I think it's, it's interesting too, that, um, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm 47. I'm not, you know, too old. Right. But you know, I feel like, yeah. but I feel like there's a lot of, um, you know, you see like now you see, you know, people are back into vinyl and using old school synthesizers and drum machines and, and the tech, yeah. you know, from from, you know, the 70s and the and the 80s and the 90s. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like that there may be missing something that we had, you know, coming up where we were hitting buttons. We were dealing with things in person. You know, it wasn't this uh, weird kind of distant digital interface uh-huh. for everything you know do you do you feel like that I, I feel like you're one of the only artists that i i can i know of this like gracefully sort of gone from from that era you know to to the now and figured out how to synthesize all those things together do you do you do you think about that um uh, yeah i mean sounds i mean people when i rap on tracks that i did on my albums when i pick records out when do guest stars projects and being doing my own but I even stuff that I picked that somebody else may have worked on I, I have a feeling that is something timeless you know if I rapped on somebody else's track that I've never done I, I think it's what I select to get on what I select to do for myself 
I think, you know, it's the song that I feel the signs of me, you know, doing the record. Like, I, I try to pick things that I like, which is, you know, I could pick a beat out that I never did that I rap on another person's song and it sounds good because it's something that I found, you know, it's like when I did, you know, a song with a certain producer, it, it is a song that I like and I feel like, wow, like nobody else would have probably used that song. No other rapper would have picked that record to rap, that beat to rap on. Yeah, I mean, I, I think about like your work with, uh, you know, Roger Troutman and people like that too back back when, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's something where it seems like you've, the most savvy people seem to know how to, you know, artists really know how to navigate uh, the, the, the aesthetics and the sounds and the, and the people of the, of the past and bring them into the present in a different way. Uh, you know, rest in peace, Roger Troutman. But, yeah. uh, but you know, that's, that's really, you know, like I said, I feel like that you've kind of had this way of, of navigating that that's really special. It's really unique and it speaks to a lot of people. You know, I don't think it's something that is just like hip hop underground subculture. Like you got to know all the things, you know, I think that's why, yeah, yeah. you know, when you come, when, you know, like I, I came to your show here in Nashville last year, whatever it was, and there were all kind of people there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Diverse. Yeah. You know, from ultramagnetic time to now, it's just, it's a diverse Chinese people. And, you know, I have a, I have a certain fan. I have a lot of fans in a bracket of uh, generations of the albums. Like, you might have ultra-magnetic fans that only know, like, what was into ultra-magnetic. And then you have fans that went through the era of sex style, Black Elvis, and, and, and um, uh, Dr. Doom and stuff. Mm. And then you have fans that just was octagon. But the point is, getting them all together because it's like I probably have like three different fan bases yeah and it connects a lot of things you know but like so um, uh, a friend of mine who played uh, you know I've also worked with him a lot this guy uh, Michael Shreve he played drums in Santana he played at Woodstock right when he was like 19 oh, yeah. 19 years old right soul sacrifice that yeah. whole thing you know and he has this whole uh, interesting point of view because he's like man you know I was 19 when that happened and that's what people know me for. And they still, they're still talking about it. That's all they talk about. But I've made all these records, you know, for, you know, 30 or 40 years since, you know, why don't they talk about that stuff? Do you feel like, you know, does it frustrate you at all? Or do you care that there's just a lot of people that aren't aware of a lot of things maybe you've done because they've kind of punched in at a particular point in your career? Oh yeah. Um, well, that too is maybe, um, they didn't catch something, you know, a lot of fans are just spoon fed. A lot of the people too, the audience is spoon fed with, um, you know, whatever is fed through, uh, social media and, and, and promoted through, uh, you know, pop, pop territories. Yeah. They didn't get a chance to get to the stuff because, um, some people are lazy, you know, it's just the same as, some people have a cliche form of promotion and stuff like that. I try to change the promotional ways. Some people have a cliche form of promotion. So that hurts the fans too, because a lot of people can't, you know, when a club promotes the artist, sometimes I've been in cities and the promotion of the, the venue is only used to promote into a certain, you know, quote of uh, people. Mm -hmm. So they might have to, they might have a paper, but they run in the paper in a certain part of the city could be the artsy part of the city. Mm -hmm. And then 
when you leave the town, you know, a lot of people will be like, oh, I didn't know you was in this yeah. town. How yeah. did I, I didn't get the information. I think, I think people tend to, tend to market like kind of like a target, which they don't have to anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, think you should market to everybody instead of like zoning in on a, a, a territory or something or a region or a part of a city. Like, you know, if you set yourself into an area of somewhere, it becomes an area that you're only promoting to. So, right. Yeah. They call it a uh, targeting, right? You know, back in, you know, when we, you know, when I was young, there was three channels on TV. There was one newspaper. You know what I mean? It was, it was, there was a lot less options. So people just would uh, all be, yeah. on, all be on the same page more, more naturally. And then as far as like finding music, you know, we, we didn't have the internet. Uh-huh. We didn't have the internet throwing playlists at us and social media and all this. We had to go read the re- record sleeves and track down producers and figure right. out what studios were what and that guy played bass on this and what is so what is that you know it's a different uh index now yeah and you know everybody's a star yeah. now you're in, a, you're in a um a vein of everybody's a star now so before you had people going to the club to see the artists and that was more focused but now you know if you have a, you know, if you have a, a venue and you're doing a show, ninety percent of the, some of the people is uh, somebody's a guitar player, somebody's a seat programmer in that audience, somebody's a, got a rap record coming out in that audience, somebody got a, uh, their brother is a rapper and they a producer. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, now it's it's like musicians coming to see musicians. I mean, yeah. even even in music, as far as you know. Rapper in general, I mean, now uh, a person that was a, a fan is a, a person that's actually um, making a song or something. You got everybody making a song now. Everybody's <laughs> a DJ or somebody's a DJ in that audience. Or even, you know, even a, a, a call girl is, I mean, a dancer or whatever is a, is a is an artist now. They got an album coming out. So a model has a, a model has a record coming out. I mean, (laughs) you know, she's not no longer a model. She has a song or she plays, she's producing an album or she does beats in her spare time. You know? Yeah. You know, it's not, it's like you said, the, the, it's no more. The audiences went into the audience is the actual musician now, (laughs) which is extra harder. Because you have to have the actual audience into you that does all those things, which is good. So it makes you more powerful when you got all those different people going to your show. Because mm. that means you're inspiring people to come to see you and they're into your music. But you got to figure, you got a person and each person, a lot of people in that audience is is doing, trying to do something, same thing you're doing. They're trying to get where you being at. They're trying to, are they, are they, are they just coming to see your show? Like, you know, yeah. you know, it's like another rock band coming to see you perform just standing on the side. It's like, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like if I went to go, you know, go see Pink Floyd in 1980 or something, I'm not going to be trying to get up to them to be like, hey, listen, I want to talk to you guys about some opportunities. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm my own brand, and so check this out. Here's my, you know, my demo Here's tape. Here's my demo. Here's my car. Here's my, <laughs> yeah, come check out my studio. Now the average person is, they got a studio, you know. Yeah. Like you said, it's 
you know, a tennis player is there. She got an album coming out. You know, it's, it's, it's any it's, a stripper got a record. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's uh, you know, like I said, uh, uh, you know, a pimp's a pimp's whore is a rapper now. Any anything is you know, it's, it's a pimp is a he got an album. Uh, a, a whore, you know, the whore has a record. I mean, you know what I'm saying? She has an album coming out. It's it's, it's all it, it goes all around the board. People that have been doing, I think, interesting studio work that are are more behind the scenes and not people like uh, trying to get a bunch of shine necessarily. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the people that comes to mind that I know you worked with uh, at least at some point in some way is Bill Laswell, and I know you did that uh, that conspiracies piece like I don't know nine, late nineties or something. Do you do you remember yeah. that at all? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Record, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like Bill Laswell. I liked it. Um, I liked it, a lot of his albums. Yeah. I feel like his stuff was really like, because um, I was up in New York in the mid mid nineties, late nineties, and you know doing the whole like knitting factory thing, getting in, getting in with all that weird the weird sounds, yeah. you know, yeah. And uh, and I know he was pushing a lot of that out of Greenpoint, and, uh, and so uh-huh. so I was just wondering what your experience was with that, because I feel like that was like a really. Um, I, I met Bill Lazarus. I went to Europe, mm. and uh, I went to Europe, and he was. Um, he was, um, he had a lot of records and stuff like that. And, um, he had a song, I, I, but I heard a lot of his songs before he had a song called Reproduction. It was dope. Mm. Um, uh, it, it, it was a lot of times I saw him in Europe and I, I think I seen him once and he had a house he's telling me, you know, how he collaborated with different people. And, you know, I seen him in Europe and, um, I, I never thought I would get a chance to work with him, so he sent me that beat one time, and I did it. It was good, yeah. and uh, and it was um it was a moment that was, that was a good moment. Yeah, well, I, you know, I think that um he had this way of getting sound too that was just just worked. Yeah. It just worked real well, you know. Um, yeah. It, the just because he was one of the first people I think bringing like really yeah. big big low end and low bass frequencies yeah. Yeah. into yeah. like a different uh like out of hip hop and into like world music type of sounds and all this but he was really pushing beats real uh-huh. hard. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, Bill Lazo definitely. Yeah. Uh, you did the cover art for Sex Style, is that right? Uh yeah. I directed that cover um for Sex Style. I was um I got it done in LA. I was at Kurt's and then I told Kurt to take the picture. It was a sex style was like a, a three step cover because we went to, uh, I forgot the name of the graphic place. It was in LA. And, um, I took the picture and I put the card in a dimension cover. So the album was just like, it was done with three sets of pictures. Yeah, the car was taken outside. Then I put myself in there. Then I had like some cocoa pumps on the floor. <laughs> and then I had spontaneous ecstasy do the picture. She was Tim Dog, Tim's girlfriend at the time. And then, and then um, the cover was like um, it was clear. Then we just made like some weird, weird purplish color and the Cadillac had a pink top like it was a like a sedan DeVille or something and it was just uh 
it was just freaked out like a, a painting that was just artsy. It was like the colors we dyed the cover, like a purplish cover, like Los Angeles nights. Like when I first got to Sunset and Sunset Boulevard at night, it was like when I got to California. It looked at like, I remember I was riding from Roscoe's one night and it looked like I was riding from, like the sky was purple, like a pretty purple, like a beautiful like a beautiful purple. Yeah. And, and then I said, I'm going to make this cover like California, like, like California had like a lot of, like a purple, purple night kind of look to it. And when the sun goes down on sunset, it looks purple with the lights, like 42nd street. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I liked it cause it was like that cover, like, um, it was a different cover. From um, remember the Ozzy Brothers had that cover one time, and they were on Broadway, and they was walking to Sunset Boulevard from Manhattan. It was like a double cover. It was like they were coming out of space. To from Sunset Boulevard to Forty Second Street. Yeah. 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 They, they had a cover like they was walking. Um, like it was just they was on the cover, but it looked like they was in both places, like half and half. Yeah. Like it was meat. Like it was like kind of like. 42nd meets Hollywood Boulevard or something. It was it was a cover like that. So it was like, yeah, that cover, it was like, those covers inspired me too. So, but I did that one was like me. It was like a Sunset Boulevard cover in my, like LA, my whole essence of sex. That was a picture of me in Los Angeles and all the time. And, the, you know, the fun I had, the, the nightlife and the, fun and just me being a photographer myself and taking pictures and collage and stuff together and you know the um the the fun like Hollywood was the essence of adult entertainment and that that was the cover like it was just like a uh cover that cover like said so many words and I have one you know I I seen in the books it was like voted as one of the best covers and um, in Europe, like one of the best covers, it was in a mag, a book one time, one of the best covers in of an album ever made. You can't forget it, right? You remember it. It's just one of those things. You yeah. just you just remember yeah. it. Um, but yeah, I guess I was curious if you had any um, if you did like visual art kind of stuff or shows or photography shows or you know kind of press that part of well, it. Well, what happened to uh, what happened with that album too? It was the point of me, you know, making funky ass records and the logo was like a black tail silhouette that I cut out of the magazine. Like I did a lot of ideas myself without the record company being involved as marketing. That's what I, I think a lot of successful things for me with Dr. Doom and Sex Style, those covers and stuff, it, it became successful because a lot of the spontaneous ideas I came up with, like those were good little marketing marketing plans and stuff so i came out there and people can smell bullshit right like when yeah when the art well, is so well, disconnected from the music because the labels just yeah, you know yeah. what i mean well what happens too lately you know i haven't been you know people forgot how i got popular i got popular with those things making those little 12 inches out of nowhere and putting out records you know any time of the day you know mm the structure of releasing a song whenever, like, you know, throwing an album out with two songs on it, or some, I mean, a single out and a 
you know, I had no structure. I had no structure, but it worked for me back then because it was like spontaneous ideas and the fans loved it. You know, I made like little baseball card pictures of myself and, you know, I had those things. I looked at those things the other day. They was all over Los Angeles. I took them around when I go on the road. I made, you know, picture cards that was hard cover with glossy enamel to them, you know, like... Yeah. I made my own baseball cards of Black Elvis and stuff. Like I used to make cards and go, go and print like one thousand of them out of a box, you know, just to give out to people. Leave them in the record stores, and yeah. people had that stuff as collections. You know, they were like, you know, can you imagine like a Black Elvis baseball card or something? <laughs> like you, you, you printed it up yourself. So I did like a thousand. I was. I forgot I was doing so much independent promotion myself. I, I didn't wait for the record company to do a lot of promotion. I made other little flyers for myself. I made things that people could collect at shows. I printed up uh, telephone cards to give out sometimes that they looked like the size of a, a business card, but they was they had damn near maybe some crazy picture on it of me on there. You know, people used to laugh at it, but they used to take it. They used to be like, this is interesting. So I had a lot of that stuff that added up. I put a post, you know, a billboard up on Sunset La Brea as Black Elvis, you know, and I didn't wait till like a company says, you know, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. What is it going to be? Uh, this can't go up hanging up on Sunset if it's not marketed. It has to be something to it. Yeah. I did a lot of spont spontaneous marketing that got me more popular back in the days than ever because now, you know, a lot of people don't listen to me anymore. It's just the same, even when I work with Octagon with Automator, I think he listened to me more when the first Octagon album came out. And then when the second album came out, it, like the first album was me and him, just me and him, like, and ideas was just me and him. Mm. And then when the project blew up and then we took a hiatus for four or five years and we never talked to each other for a good seven years. And then we, went back to do another album and it was, you know, when the first album was successful and people, you know, having a million views and Blue Flowers have a million and, yeah. you know, the album was the, a big album basically and, you know, sold a lot of copies. It was a very big international album that broke through the alternative urban pop rock, you know, that album penetrated all, every market but, I think it was better because me and him was together and we made all our little, you know, ideas together. And then I think when the time changed, the people saw the success. We had a bunch of new new ideas put in by people, the record company, the friends, and everybody now. It's like 20 people trying to make the part of stew <laughs> that you, you that you only two only made, yeah. that me and him only made, yeah. you know, so. Now they got an opinion. Now everybody has opinion. Now yeah. the ideas that you used to have is no good no more. People can you know, mine. You, you're the guy that blew up the project with a lot of things. Just like, you know, me and Cutmaster Kurt and the sex style and the, all different stickers and posters and little gimmicks I might have had or if I wanted to put, a, you know, my picture on a baseball card, all those ideas went out the window when I wanted to put a, you know, you want to put the funky ass logo up on the top of the record cover so the, the needle could go right, you know, the little pin could go right through the hole of the girl's butt, like, but the record <laughs> right, is playing, yeah. like, yeah. the girl's in the center and stuff like that. So <laughs> right. those ideas was cooking away from me by 
everybody that now is 20 people trying to make the, the, those decisions now. So and then, you know, as future, as future things came out, the say-so became less because people forgot. They forgot. Hey, they forgot Keith made the baseball cards. They forgot Keith made the 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 sex style album cover. They forgot Keith um, printed up whatever business cards with his face on them. They forgot, you know, they forgot those little things. And those are the things that made things popular to jump off. So then yeah. after all that stuff got successful, everybody started wanting to take over. Like, oh, you're doing this album. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to have 20 people involved in mm-hmm. it. Okay, I want to have to say so. But you forgot that it took little things to make that stuff big. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, people, um, marketing and committees is where good ideas go to die, I think. You know, like, it's just a, it's the truth of, uh, a, you know, people getting together and, you know, whatever you guys did in San Francisco, right? Like, what it was like donuts and Yoohoo for five yeah, days yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> You know, like, that's the... Yeah, that's all, that, the, all that stuff. That's the spirit. All the little things yeah. became, like, obsolete, you know. Like okay, Keith didn't need donuts and <laughs> no, on this on the next project no more because we <laughs> it's successful now. We made it. Uh, Keith is going to do it the way the record company suggests that every other artist in the in in the world does it. So what happened is they took me out of the format of doing it the way that I was doing it independently. So what happened is they took away the formula. If something ain't, you know, if something. Ain't, if something is broke, you can't fix it. It was never broke. So mm. they, what happened was they were trying to make seem like they were doing something else. And, you know, you can't have, if you built a rocket ship that went all the way to the moon and now you're going to make another one, now you got like 50 people trying to make it with you. <laughs> it, it, it just took out the fun. Yeah. They should have just let the original people make it. So. Yeah. And that's where he lost the trust that because people saw the success of it, but those same people wasn't there when you made those little things, the gadgets to make stuff happen. You know, even with sex style, the people wasn't there when, you know, you know, it's like people want to get professional. Like say, if you wanted to do sex style too, you know, you don't have just me and Kurt there going up to, you know, future disc and going, making flyers and putting up the funky ass logos and, you know, doing real independent stuff and, 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 and putting, making, taking a cover from the street and, you know, collaging it together at, at, at a, at a, you know, at a graphic place. But now, now, like you said, everybody will want to get you a professional photographer now. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. we know this guy named John Wright. He's the best photographer out now. He's going to take the next album for you. when you took the original album yourself with a camera and, People loved it, and it's, in, and it's in the book that as the best album cover of the world, but now somebody wants to shoot the next album for you now because <laughs> everybody went corporate and, oh, you know, we're going to use Bob Murphy. He shot, um, you know, the next, he, he, he shot the top 40 artists already, you know, so, you know, we're going to use him cliche now. So that's what happened. Everybody went cliche on the next round. So, you know, that, that always happens. You create something real big everybody joins in and everybody gets over professional over produced that's why they should have left it like 
you know, a, a, a deal like that, the deal should have been structured like, you know, okay, if you sign to a major, but you're still going to do it like, we're going to let you do the pre-setup independently. You know, that's like if you sign with any major label or something, uh, you just was a subsidiary and, let, and they let you have your freedom of ideas. You know, do that no more. Thought. What happened was they just took over the project when that's what happens to everybody. Everybody starts from scratch with the little ideas they have. Then once the majors get involved, they take the ideas and then, you know, somebody in a label is doing your album cover now. And it's not no more you no more. So mm -hmm. it's kind of, then they want to market it like you did it, but you really didn't do it. You like, I didn't do this album cover in my mind. You did it because you got like somebody in the staff doing the album cover now and you're not doing it. So, you know, it's, and then when the project doesn't go the same way as it did before, people are looking at you like, you know, are they talking to you in a panic? Oh yeah, we gotta, you know, because the people didn't listen. I'm sure you've, you've dealt with this a lot, you know, where it's like, there's a lot of people that just, they don't have it really going in a way that's authentic to themselves. So really the only thing they can think of to do otherwise is try to attach themselves to somebody else's, uh, you know, as you said, like a rocket ship, you know, put, put their stickers on it. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. Everybody want to get their logo on the ship going up now. Like, you know, you only had your sticker on the ship. Now everybody wants to make sure they plug their little sticker in on the ship. But you're like, this shit went up by itself before. Now everybody wants to put a sticker on it. Like, yeah, I got my sticker on it too. I want to <laughs> like, so that's what happened to a lot of these projects. So, yeah. you know, it, it becomes to be, it was two people driving the ship. It was just, it was just me, him and Cuba. And it goes into, like you said, nine other members, the booking agencies involved in the ship. The, you know, it's too many people, too many hands to make, too many hands to, the stew was good before with two people making it. And like you said, now 10 people is cooking that fucking stew and it <laughs> yeah. tastes like shit. Yeah, it's all it's all weird colors now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you had to go through a process of, uh, you know, teaching yourself a lot of production, you know, and it was something that you had mm -hmm. to look around you for inspiration. And I'm sure you got a lot of people that maybe can help with this and that and the other, but it's really a decision that you made that's, that's not a, you know, getting in and understanding all these machines and how these things work and really feeling it is a long process. Uh, uh, you know, so I guess I was just curious about your, your journey to sort of your own production and like, were you like, you know, back on SP 12s or MPCs? Uh, or? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't use the SP 12 or MPCs. I, yeah. I had put a lot of stuff, played a lot of stuff into Pro Tools and looped it myself. Yeah. And, you know, mess with other people's records. I mean, I, I grew up on, Everybody, Brick, Slave, Jazz Band, Confunction, um, you know, Undisputed Truth, uh, One Way. But I didn't want, you know, Al Hudson. I, I didn't care, you know, Johnny Guitar Watson, you name it, um, Cool in the Gang. But I didn't want to become a sampler. Yeah. I wanted to make my own. I, didn't, I wanted to make my own music. Like, it's cool to find records and search for them and loop them, but I really found records to play them. Like, I bought, like, cameo and stuff to play yeah. so when I did it when I did music I bought it to play for myself and observe their music and say wow they made that and I said I want to be like them and make my own sound and stuff and play my own stuff so people could one day buy my records and be like you know I want to sample something Keith did you know 
So I, I didn't want to become like a sampler or, yeah. you know, which I would do once in a while, rap over some samples, but I didn't want to become a sampler. I, I wanted to become a, a original music maker so people could buy me, put me in the same vein as if I was, you know, Confunction, a brass construction, uh, BT Express, I could make my own music. So I didn't... I wasn't fond of like me sampling, stealing their music and using it and looping their beats. I, 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 I was, so I got into my production because I didn't want to beg anybody to make me records and I don't want to, you know, I, I had to beg producers and I remember those days. So I started playing keyboards, making my own stuff and sounds and, and fitting myself, which they had the thing that the producer could never be the, the rapper could never be the producer, you know, you know, when you heard a lot of producers rap on tracks, you mean, I mean, I heard, um, you know, like even Pete Rock rapped on songs and stuff, yeah. and it sounded good, you yeah. know, Diamond D. But me, I wanted to be, the rapper was such a, it was a crime for the rapper to make his own beat, which what I did on Black Elvis, I proved, like, Living Astro has a million views, plus views, because, but I did the song because on an album I had to be another producer because I was afraid of people in the, and I had to go by the criticism. People would have been cool. Keith made the beat. We don't like it. So it's a lot of beats I made out there that, you know, even on the feature magnetic album, I did the whole album and it was great. You know, the, the success of the songs, but I never had to use my, I couldn't use my name as a producer because people were so fond of, hearing that cool Pete can't do a beat for himself. It's got to be somebody. I want to hear him with a, a fantastic collab producer. I got to hear him with a collab. Mm. I, you know, Keith got to either make a record with one of the, you know, he has to be on a track with Alchemist to really make it in this world. <laughs> he has to be on a track with, you know, Fotech. He has to be on a track with, you know, somebody has to do a, a record for him, you know. So, it, it's, that wasn't the point. It's just the point. People were more programmed to me not making songs. Anyway, there, there was so much into me lyrically that they didn't think I have the creativeness to make my own records and sound good at the same time because they never could see... You know, they can't never see a producer. You know, you can't see Jay-Z making his own record. You can't see Kim making his own record, but you could, but they don't... They program themselves to say, well... uh you know, Big Daddy Kane can't program no beat. He should have a producer. You know, Coogee <laughs> Rap can't program no beat. He should have a producer. But I wanted to prove that theory wrong. Like, there are lyrical artists has, who have been in the music industry that should be able to produce themselves. But a lot of guys, true, can't produce themselves because they have a, a rapper's state of mind. Me, I, I, I did a lot of production behind the scenes on you know, all the Ultra albums, Tim Dog, I played the bass line on Eagle Trippin'. A lot of stuff I was into producing. So I didn't ever claim production and put my name on stuff because it was a stereotype anyway. People would probably hate the record. I would just be an alias on production and the song blew up big. Like I played <laughs> Blue Flowers, the bass line, yeah. and the bass line on Girl, Let Me Touch You There. So I didn't claim that stuff, but it, it goes to show the records were better even they were better. They were better when I was on the stuff. When I was when I was touching some of that stuff. When, when, that's what I'm saying. When these guys start going into their own production, even me and Cutmaster Kurt, Sex Style was 
was like a collab, collabo in production wise with me and him because I felt certain bass lines. But I just think when they start trying to do it by themselves after the record turns successful, then they want to do the next project. They don't want you to touch it. It's like they use you to blow up the stuff, you know, you want to automate it, they use you to blow up. And then when it's time to touch it, they got other people coming out of nowhere, blowing horns and putting the sax on the record, putting the keyboard on it. Somebody else is going to play guitar on it. And they forgot the real essence of how the record got popular in the first place. Yeah. So I wonder about like, you know, if it feels, it feels like, if I, if I were a rapper, I would want to make my own beats because I feel like that there's so much uh, going on with rhythm and cadence and flow. I feel like I would... Yeah, sometimes, sometimes you can have 100 million producers and you might have a rap, but you like, none of these 100 million of producers got what I want to do right now. I, but I exactly in my mind know what I want to do and that's the thing I'm trying to say. Mm. It's what you want to do in your mind. It's sometimes... You know, it could be the best producer. It could be Aurelia Seven. It could be it could be um, Timberland. It, it, they just might not have what you have in your mind for the point to do it. And you might like, you know, like I gotta go make this myself. I already know what it is. But everybody don't have the beat for you like you want. Sometimes, sometimes, but some guys have a lot of beats you can pick from. You might pick something near it, but sometimes you don't have exact. They don't have exactly what you was looking for. Exactly. Sometimes you got to go make that beat yourself. So I made a lot of stuff, but some, like you said, some of these guys can't make no beats anyway, you know, and some of these guys can't pick beats. A lot of them, you know, so that's a lot of time and art too. I know you're into basketball. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I didn't know if you had any uh, any, any uh, interest in, in fighting or combat sports. Uh, not really. I mean, <laughs> I like to watch. You know, I, I, yeah. I, I you know, I, I watched a lot of people box and a lot of I, I stuck to boxing and you know Sugar Ray Leonard, Tommy Hearns, and and, and people, Michael Doak and stuff like that, and Chuck Webner and. You know, whatever have you, you know, Joe Frazier. But I'm saying, I like to watch all kinds of boxes, but I mean, I never had any really times in that moment to, I watch all kinds of sports, like even when, um, the, you know, baseball, basketball, you know, like the trend now is like a lot of the artists, you know, they go to the games, but they go as a cliche, but if you ask them about Alex English, they don't know who he is, yeah. but they're sitting on the side court. You know, they don't know who Rick Barry is, but they're sitting on the side court. You yeah. know, you know, they don't know who Sugar, you know, Michael Ray Ray Richardson is. You know, they don't. They're sitting on the side court. So I'm just saying, it's not really real pure basketball fans. It's like fans that's going to the game to be seen, just sitting on the sidelines, but. You ask them a trivia question, they couldn't answer it. Yeah. You ask like them about, you know, who was Marvin Webster, but still know what's going on now. But still knowing Stephen Curry and still knowing, yeah, you know, um, like still knowing, you know, all the Golden State Warriors roster. You know, still knowing Clay Thompson and everything. Yeah, still knowing, um, like you said, uh, the Boston Celtics roster right now. Still knowing Durant. Still knowing. Irving and still knowing 
not just Michael Jordan, but you got a lot of these people now, they just sitting on the sidelines. They don't know nothing about no basketball. They at the games. I see them as, like, not a real pure fan. Like, I'd rather see somebody that can talk about slick watts and then they can still talk about, you know, like, the most current NBA player right now. You know, that's, to me, a real fan, not a person just going to the game to get a camera on them so they could get a cameo. They could say they're sitting down in the front row and sitting downstairs. What do you think? Uh-huh. What do you think was like the peak of the NBA? Like what? You know what I mean? Like what? I feel like it might have been like. I mean, I liked it all kinds of parts in the ABA, Artis Gilmore, Larry Keenan, um, Al Skinner. You know, Kevin Porter. You know, um, like you said. Um, I was looking last night like Cassie Russell, Campy, you know, all that stuff, Spencer Haywood, all kinds of down the list. And then, you know, all the way up to, you know, the Rockets, Robert Reed and Rudy Tomjanovich and, and mm. going up to, you know, Kenny Smith, everything in general, um, all the way up to, you know, to Hakeem Olajuwon right now. The peak was right there, yeah. Olajuwon, Rockets and... And, and, you know, just all that stuff and, and all the way around the board to David Thompson, Sidney Moncrief and, you know, Marcus Johnson, Brian Winters, the Bucks, and, you know, you know, way before Giannis, you know, even though you know Giannis, but, the you know, the pure essence of the Milwaukee Bucks goes way deeper. You know what I'm saying? That's back when you people, know? that's when people could actually touch each other and it wasn't yeah. a foul. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, to know all that stuff is great. To know, you know, Daryl Griffith and Adrian Dantley and stuff like that. But they don't know. People just look at that. They look at basketball for now as a trend. Like, even the girls. They, they probably their husband, they don't even know nothing about his background at all. They just date the guy. And they just be like, I go with a ball player. But you don't know nothing about his college stats. You don't know nothing what team he played in. You don't know where he was drafted. You don't know nothing. You don't even know his. You don't even know how his high school ba- baseball card, how his high school basketball card look. You know, you know. I think the woman wise in baseball know them more than the ball player. I think the girls in ball they don't. You know, I was looking at those college games one time. You know, girls were sitting on the sideline. You know, but it was like a lot of students there was a lot of students that went to the game but you didn't see girls on the sidelines with their red bottoms you know sticking out <laughs> on the wooden floor while they was running around Just because they the, didn't go to those games like when you watch those college games they're not even at those games but as soon as those guys get drafted into the pros now they're there like from that point on, like you didn't know nothing about nothing in college and nothing it's like you know and that's the same with some of the guys they're the same way they don't know nothing about what college he went to, what team, his dunks in high school, and nothing. You know, they just go straight to the point of now. Like, you have no, like, that was the fun to look at a person's statistics from from the past. Like, his growth. Like, you follow Jordan uh, through North Carolina and stuff like that, you yeah. know. But, but yeah, but, but it's not like, these people is like, Skip, skip, skip high school, skip college. I'm just gonna watch you. To you, like when you get to the NBA, that's when I could watch you. Mm. Like I'm not seeing you 
you know, I'm not seeing you in college when you serving people in college either. Like, I'm <laughs> just going to skip and watch you in the NBA. And then I'm phony enough to try to stand up next to you and get pictures with you and then possibly try to be with you. Or if it's a guy, I'm going to be with you and take selfies. But if it's a woman, I'm going to try to have a baby with you and have, start a family. But I don't know <laughs> shit about you from the past. <laughs> right. It's like, I don't know how many rebounds you have, but I want to be with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know how many rebounds you. I don't know how many points you scored in high school. I don't even know if you went to high school. But I want to be with you now because I heard you signed the contract, and you, and I don't even care if you look like Frankenstein. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's that's. I'm just saying that's what I'm saying. It's just that shit is like that's the shit me you know and it, it, it's like Spike Lee be sitting on the side of the court I don't know what he knows in the past I'm, I can't I can't denounce him but you know he, he probably need trivia questions to himself because you just can't <laughs> sit on the side of the court and you don't know shit about basketball and you want to wear like an orange and blue shirt there every night just because you can attend every game it don't mean you know shit about basketball yeah. you know what I'm saying me I, me, I was going to basketball since the Nets was playing in Long Island, when they was playing, when I was going, I remember my aunt gave me tickets to go. I was Jack Sick when them was out, and I would go see the Nets. The Nets was in Long Island playing. You know the you know Kevin Lavery and and and, they, and people didn't even know it was the ABA in the NBA. You know mm, what I'm saying? Yeah. The Spurs, the Spurs was the ABA team. Yeah. These, you ask these monkeys, you ask these monkeys about that, they wouldn't even know. George Gervin. Yeah. Yeah. They, was, they wouldn't even know. They wouldn't even know. They wouldn't even know. Julius Irvin, the Nets, the Nets was the ABA team. These assholes don't even know. But you, but they want to sit on the sideline. They don't even know. You know, it's funny. You know, probably half of them don't even know. They probably sit on the side, especially like when you look at these expensive. These girls come, you know, to these show to these arenas. It looked like they saying when they scored dunk, they said, "Did he make a touchdown?" They don't even know. <laughs> huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the, but the court side—that's all that matters, right? They don't even, they they don't get, even know. They, te- they don't even watch. They don't even watch. They ain't not even watching the game. They texting, yeah. putting a post of a, a picture with a thong on Instagram, <laughs> and they didn't miss the dunk. Huh? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's just. It's just. It's just. It's just it's just a ludicrous you know it's a ludicrous fan base. It's just a like you said it's a it's a it's a it's a stupidious fan base out there. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's it's not it's not a real fan base. There's a lot of fake shit, and it's a weird world. Yeah. It's a weird world yeah. now because it's getting it's more. Like you going to a basketball game just to say you was there, but yeah. you want to put it on your, you know you want to put it on your social media. I got a seat close enough. Sit next to. I got a seat close enough to sit next to. Um, you know, I'm I'm sitting near um, Kawhi Leonard tonight, but uh-huh. I don't know shit about him. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. But Kawhi doesn't even say anything. Nobody knows anything about Kawhi. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I don't even know the stats of what school <laughs> yeah, right. he went to or nothing. Yeah. I just see a tall guy with braids. Yeah, and he's supposed to be Kawhi Leonard, but. I'm going to try to, you know, I just take a picture with him. <laughs> I don't even know what college he played with. I don't know. I don't even know how many points he got tonight. I just know he's been running up and down the court all night. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's the kind of people there. Like, you know, it's, just, it's the same, you know, it's the same with a lot of things. You know, well, football, 
they got helmets on. You know, they can't see them really. They just assume anybody with a helmet on is there, you know, but they can't see. Yeah, but I'm just saying the, 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 like you said, it's no authentic fans no more. You know, anybody at the top of their game in a moment, you know, Jordan put, yeah, putting yeah. up a double nickel on the Knicks or whatever it was, you know, these moments where, you know, they all describe this kind of flow state, right? Like the basket got so big that I couldn't miss, you know, and like I could, I, I was just in another zone. Do you have, do you have moments like that? Like w- when you're performing where you just know that you got to another place and you felt connected to something maybe greater than yourself? It kind of like, um, I take every place to feel the same, basically, for myself. I mean, I, I was doing this so much that I got naturally into it. Like, I look at it as a, it was a job. Even doing shows, I look at it as a job. I still go, you know, some, some people are happy with, you know, the night, how it forms. Like, some people feel like, you know, wow, it's a night. It's about drinking champagne. I'm going to take three girls home with me. I'm going to have a threesome. I'm going to have a party. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do a, a bumper line of Coke and all that. And I'm going to take a bunch of pills. And that's going to be a successful night to be greater. To me, I, I've, I've, never, I've never done all that, the pill stuff and all that. And, you know... The Coke stuff. I mean, back in the days, promoters would give me Coke and stuff. But my lifestyle, you know, I had friends that were porno stars and I came home and had the porn stars in my house and we all partying. Jimmy Z, you know, Ron Hightower and, and Jeannie Pepper, all of them was my neighbors and stuff like that in Los Angeles. So me, I think as a person who did music, I think I did a rock star life before and I had that, but I didn't go overboard with it. Like, you know, I'm used to that. A lot of these guys now, they can't handle that. They end up meeting like the most prettiest girl they thought they could never pull in the world. See, a lot of these guys need records to pull a girl. I didn't need like a record. I had girlfriends before I made music. So I had, I still had um, confidence to go to a club and meet a regular girl. I always, that happened for me in my life. You take a lot of these guys now, they can't really, they didn't have the status to pull a girl without the music or the status they are in now basically being famous. They couldn't do it because that was something that didn't happen for them. They just didn't have the gift. Uh, They needed to have, you know, a car or something or a lot of jewelry on their neck. Like I had... I had all those things to see that I still could pull a woman without me wearing something, you know, to make them think they need to gravitate to me that way. So I had my life. I was used to, you know, I think I lived the star life that these guys, when they was going out to clubs, popping big bottles next to basketball players and football players every night, I I could go home and have that same party with champagne and everybody was at my house, the porn stars was at my house and guys would come over, they like, they couldn't even handle it. Keep, oh shit, you have, uh, you got champagne over here and, you know, menage trolls chilling with you. Like, and I'd be like calm, like, you know, cooking some french fries, but they was looking more like, what are you doing? Like, this is different. Oh, I'm losing my mind. You know, I'm like, this shit is, I do this shit, you know, I was, uh, I've been on tour buses. Dave Grohl was my friend and rock stars and, you know, um, Red Hot Chili Peppers and, you know, Anthony and Flea. I seen them at shows and they have like 20 girls waiting for them. And I'm looking at them like in my mind, I caught myself like, hold up, Anthony, I ain't talking to them. And they used to be like, 
and they got a stadium getting ready to get packed, like the the getting ready to get packed, like, and the girls are there, looking at them like, wow, but they're in their dressing rooms like. It's normal, like, yo, we do this every night, Keith, man. This <laughs> yeah. is nothing. And, you know, hot blondes are waiting outside for them on the standing by the door. But they didn't care. They didn't seem like they was more experienced with that. Like, they was, they handled it like, we can go out here and do this show. We do this all the time. I saw the drummer, and he was there. You know, their drummer. Um, we they were, they were cool. They was like... I was amazed by that. I was like, wow, these guys ain't tripping off this shit. Like, it's all kinds of blondes everywhere with tight pants on, thongs on, see-through breasts, titties like Dolly Parton back in the day sticking out. They didn't care about it. They didn't care. Yeah. They did not care. They didn't care about none of it. They was like, yo, we can ready to go play our drums, get on, get grab our guitars, and, and they got off stage and did the same shit, closed the door. They had a, a room that was, like, real dark, and they were drinking tea, like chamomile, like <laughs> like some chamomile. They had teas, all kinds of teas. And, you know, I'm looking at these dudes like, man, these are big rock stars, super big rock stars, and the way they handling this stuff. Like, But you got these guys now, they can't handle that stuff. They go out and get rape charges and yeah. go do stuff that they don't supposed to do because they never had a girlfriend. And back in maybe junior high school, they never had a girlfriend. Up to now, they're making a record. They got a couple of things, a couple of pieces of jewelry around their neck, but they never had an experience with, with no success. So mm. they say one thing, what you never had, you don't understand. You know what I'm saying? Mm. If you if you never did it before, you don't understand it. So a lot of these guys never did it. They don't understand it. So when you 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 know you start to feel like you needed all this stuff to pull this girl. You needed all these you know these pieces of the puzzle to pull a girl. So you never had no natural instinct to pull a woman just talking with your na with your natural personality. Yeah, you know. Yeah, well, that's yeah. the same kind of thing as like players getting you know sports players just going straight from high school to the pros or whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, they're, they're not, yeah. They're not cultivating themselves as people to get to a point where you know what the hell to do when you get into certain situations. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And it's not yeah. only even basketball players. Some of them guys came from, you know, small towns. Now they playing yeah. in a big city. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same with a rapper. You know, even, even a lot of the new rappers and stuff, like they never had those experiences. They, to them, that stuff is brand new and they're trying to really show you like oh we having this kind of this is how we doing it but you looking at them like yo I did that before I, I I can still do it and I did that before it don't impress me like your mind is really you're happy because you never really probably pulled the girl in your life you know what I'm saying you know and you got a lot of these guys never pulled the pretty girl in their life and and to them, that's real big and successful. They like, man, I went through junior high school with no girlfriend. I went to high school, ninth grade with nobody. I was the I was the ugliest guy in the whole world. I finally get a chance to meet, you know, <laughs> I finally get a chance to meet a girl that looks 
beautiful. And you know what they do? That's they don't know how to act. They yeah. be like, "Yo, I never had a chance to meet a girl." Like, and and now I'm a be her. I'm gonna have a baby with her. I'm a I'm I'm I've been the ugliest motherfucker <laughs> all my life. And now I got money and I bought some jewelry. The jewelry make me look pretty. You know, Frankenstein with some chains on. I'm in there. So that's what you have. You so, know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, you know they, they, they're they finally seeing uh, what would they see on the internet now they're seeing it in real life yeah yeah so that shit is a dream come true like you know you know and, you know money make you beautiful yeah that's right hey I got a, <laughs> I, I got a quick question for you and I'll let you go because I, I really appreciate yeah. the time you know but uh, mm-hmm. so here's the thing I got uh, what is going on man with this uh, this lotion man thing because that is the funniest shit that I've seen in a long time are you still doing that little that show or whatever that's the funniest shit i've ever seen oh I, I, oh lotion man oh yeah oh, you mean that that thing i'm working on that um i'm working on that skit some sometime i'm i'm working on that that skit thing um it's, it might be a movie i'm working on yeah. that uh, <laughs> it better be because like i feel yeah, like yeah i'm working like, on that yeah you got some good you got some good comedy chops whether you're I, oh yeah, yeah 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 i'm I'm working on some of that stuff <laughs> yeah that's good shit i really you know but that. yeah but i'm you know those are things i'm my jewels of telling you you know <laughs> the, the, the gyms i'm telling you stuff <laughs> so, all right so uh you know I'll, I'll let you get on out of here now if you want you don't have to i mean if you want to freestyle like our theme song art fight podcast that's fine if you need uh, uh-huh. us to cut you a big check for that we'll we'll send it later uh oh yeah 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 big big check big check what they send you? Nah. A big check? They <laughs> send you big check? Are you just joking? <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Keith is a killer record, man. It's like, it's got a spirit about it that takes me back a little bit. And uh, you really, you really. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keith is, is like um, the essence of the Bronx again, you know, yeah. psycho less production and me just getting raw and, like you're saying, proving to the critics, like, you know, I get it. You know, it was, it was really a back to back thing with Mellow Man music with the um the the um the feature the magnetic feature feature magnetic album yeah. and then the follow up with that was a great you know he has great two two great masterpieces back to back yes and, um, definitely I, I put all my lyrics into it and everything and um the album was put together great and I got to pick the beats I wanted and as even as far as me working with um Psycho Less was a great honor because it was like a you know, the freedom and musically the production freedom was great. And like you said, I, I'd never been so precious in making an album, you know, in my life. So mm. this was a great time working with him. I mean, doing that record and song for song from even the, the, the collaborations with Paul Wall and um, uh, J. Rudy Damager, Be Real, um, was great. You know, just not pulling the album up way on my own, whereas... A lot of people couldn't couldn't do that, fulfill that. I mean, just the pawns, the pawns of who I picked for the project was great. So the album was put together. I listened to it a lot myself. I do have a, a album, but there are tracks that you might have to fast forward one or two or three. But this album, to me, like you know, I like once again another album. Um, less fast forward no fast forward in at all basically i don't i don't like the fast forward i think i can go all the way with a track which was great you know so i could listen to the album you can 
definitely put your headphones on and grab you a beer and listen to the album yeah. all the way through. You no, know, it's not like, you know, some people make an album and it's always one or two cuts somewhere that's going to be like, mm, yeah. I'm going to fast forward these right now. These <laughs> ones are too long and too slow and the beats are too kind of not what it is. And I'm, you know, it's hard to make a, you know, the, the key to the Keep album was the, you know what I like about the album? The key to the Keep album was um the, uh, I like the song arrangements and I, I didn't even do this one but you know when you arrange songs it's great too when you put what's first what's second what's third what's fourth and what's fifth the, the follow-up of the follow-up of the album the sequence yeah the sequence is great. Yeah. no yeah, it, the it sequence, is man it's, huh? it's real it's real good and it's got like yeah. You know, there's stuff that kind of, yeah. you know, it's, there's enough stuff that feels new, but there's also enough stuff that feels like it's tied to the past in a, in a nostalgic way. There's some stuff that kind of yeah, reminds yeah. a little bit of like a I Love You Nancy kind of vibe on uh-huh. one track. And, you know, it's like a little bit of like, oh, yeah, this kind of reminds me of this, but it's still new and deep and the sounds are, 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 yeah. are yeah. thick. Yeah, it's great. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like um, a lot of people like holy water and stuff because yeah. it's like a futuristic uh it's the futuristic, you know. It's like the futuristic Barry White. So that's what it is. They don't. They didn't catch. You know. It's just you can create something again, but it can be brand new. You know. So. Yeah. Well, you definitely did it, man. And uh, again, it's a super honor. I want to let you go because I, you know, I've taken up enough of your time. And hit me on Ultraman Seven Thousand Twitter, and you know, good luck and everything, and yeah. get back to me anything you need and everything. All right, and uh keep the keep album and look out for more albums out there more and more thank you keith have a good one man i'll talk to you later okay thanks okay guys i love the art fight podcast and i listen to every episode even though i am a robot trying to sound like an actual person I know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going. How can I help? Go to anchor.fm forward slash art fight podcast. Click on the button, the big old button that says support this podcast. And once you get there, you'll have three options. You can just choose the lowest level. You're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and, and help us out. Again, anchor.fm forward slash art fight podcast. Click on support this podcast. All right. Thanks, everyone.